Hi guys, welcome back. We got another another episode of Crypto Catch Up. This week, I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, once again back on the couch with Ted. Ted, very welcome. How are you doing? Mate, very well. Thanks for having me back. I still, I'm still shocked. How many is that now? Me back. This is my third time. Third episode. So right let on. me know how I'm doing, guys, if I'm improving or if I'm just horrible the whole time. Go harsh on him. Be harsh. Please, please. But yeah, no, good to be back. Good Keen to, to be chat back. about, you know, the news today. Yeah, mate, we've got a fair bit, fair bit happening in the markets. Just as we're recording, we're seeing a little bit of a shift, a little bit of a move from, from Bitcoin and ETH especially. Yeah, I mean, today, mate, we've got a couple of main topics. We got to cover some market movers as usual. We've also got a couple of topics around digital bonds that you're going to cover, Ted. Mm-hmm. And then the word on everyone's lips at the moment is blur and NFTs. And talking about the band? Not the band. No, okay. I do like the band. They yep. had some pretty good good songs that were in some video games I used to play them. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to cover Blur and then we'll have a couple of off the covers, mate, close us out, as well as some AMA. I think the community are, are liking pushing through some some hard questions for us. So we'll try and address those as well towards the end of the podcast. Yeah, so, the audience is loving the AMA, so we're going to keep doing them. Absolutely. Mate, we always start. Thoughts on the market. Tell me what you're seeing. What am I seeing? Look, a bit of positivity this week. We're kind of hovering around that 24K USD range, that is. So yeah, I don't, I don't really know like where we're going next, but I guess this is kind of off the back of like the inflation data that came out in the US last week. Yep. You know, like I think it was the seventh month in a row that it's decreased. Came in a little bit above expected, but it's still decreased. So it's positive signs. Lower than expected. Lower than expected. People knew it was going to come in at a certain range. It still came in high, but not as high as they... There you go. Yeah. So, um, markets reacted, I guess, on the back of that as well, right? Yeah. I think it's definitely a factor here. And yeah, I guess it's positive signs for the future that we are seeing so much, I guess, a lot of volatility in the markets, but a lot of good volatility. And I wouldn't want to call out that it's the bull market yet, but I think it's positive signs for the future. Yeah. And I usually sit on the fence for these things, but today I'm off the fence, Ted. You're off the fence. Off the fence. Off the fence fence today. Yeah. I mean, listen, we've been in this kind of range, like you mentioned. 23 and a half is what I'm looking at for kind of Bitcoin to mm-hmm. break either down below that or spike above it. Mm-hmm. 25 grand is what everyone's watching for. Everyone's mm. talking about, you know, 25 is kind of a, it's a bit of a sentimental price point mm. for Bitcoin. It's a bit of a threshold for people to pass. You know, there's a lot of, of market pressure and like buy orders and sell orders kind of set it at yep. those levels as well. So, you know, in terms of the next steps, I actually think we're going to have a break up to the upside in the next few days. Now, not calling it. Wow. Nobody's called nobody can call the market. Nobody knows, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think we've kind of we're tired of this range between twenty three and a half and twenty five. And I, I think we're about to see a bit of bit of pressure to break us. Someone's gotta give. I don't know how long it's gonna last. Nobody does. Yeah. But I think we're kind of ready to at least break that break that range. Yeah. Looking at Ethereum as well, we've kind of been in this flirting in this range between, you know, fifteen, fifteen, fifty and kind of seventeen hundred range. And I think that's kind of ready to break as well, up kind of past 1800. And that next price point or that target everyone's going to be talking about is two grand ETH, right? Mm. Two grand US ETH. So I think that's, yeah, in terms of the top coins, again, they're the ones that are kind of watching Bitcoin and ETH. They're both up about 14, 15% in the last seven days. I think the week before that, we were down seven or eight percent or something like that so yeah a bit of a reversal there for you know reporting on the weekly which is pretty cool mate i i really hope so i hope you're right but i guess we'll wait and see i think this is kind of come out thursday so yep. we might know our answer by then or it might take a little bit longer might have to go on and 
do a special shout out if we break above. We might have to. If we break down, I'll just delete this tweet. It's one Mate, of those you'll ones. be Mystic Mac. <laughs> Mystic Mac. That's it. That's um, it. But also yeah. the, the L2s, the L2 tokens are doing pretty well. I mean, yep. the alts are kind of pumping on the back of Bitcoin and ETH and what they're doing. But I noticeably kind of Solana and Medic were up pretty significant gains. Some of those L2s start yeah. to, to pump pretty well as well. So Yeah, I yeah. think it's going to be a big year for the L2s. For anyone that doesn't know Layer 2 Scaling Solutions, Particularly on Ethereum, they're designed to like optimize the Ethereum blockchain and speed things up and kind of lower fees, lower fees like and everything. That. And I think it's a really important issue that they're seeking to resolve. So I think they're going to have a big year. So like you said, Polygon Matic, Mutable X is a, is one that's had a pretty good year so far. It's an Aussie-based project. And yeah, so it's an exciting space to watch. Yeah. Anything within that kind of blockchain infrastructure, like yep. it's kind of lumped into that to that range and like we see a lot of I think I talked about it either here on Twitter last week about developer activity mm-hmm. like it's starting to increase again you know it, it never really fell off to be honest it never dropped off the market it can be an indicator but it's not the direct indicator when it comes to you know interest and builders in the space and developers working in the space but it's definitely a metric that I think a lot of people should keep an eye on as well you know yeah and I was just looking at a chart the other day and transactions so like activity on these L2s which is measured typically by transactions has seen a nice little slow increase over the last year so despite the market downturn yeah there's still activity happening on those and it's a positive sign. I see you were having a look at the fear and greed what's what's happening with the fear and greed index Fear and greed currently sitting at 58. So right. that's categorized as greed. Right. So this isn't the be all and end all of, you know, where you should place your trades and whatnot. But I think it's something that I like to keep an eye on. And so mm-hmm. if greed's high, typically people see that as a sell signal. So that's just something to keep in mind. I'm not saying it's definitely going to drop. Sure. But it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Like I just really like the fear and greed index because of the different data points it mm. takes from. It's not just interest or developers in the space or price movements. It's it's like searches on Twitter or searches on yeah. Google. Like it brings a lot social of social sentiment. Social sentiment. It brings a lot of this and kind of gives it a good score. So yeah. it is a pretty good I know um Jason Pizzino uses it quite a lot and, and he's mm. got like kind of key levels that he has set. Mm. Pretty much a professional trader. So he you know he uses specific levels to apply trades and things like that so you know it's just another tool for people to leverage and and to keep an eye on and yeah again you don't look at any one indicator when you're making decisions for trades you kind of group the ones that that best suit your strategy together and use those so yeah it's pretty pretty interesting met Let's move on to the market movers, yeah, shall we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got some big numbers. <laughs> yeah, big numbers. Big numbers. So I think we've said this in previous episodes. Like These numbers have not been indicative of bear market in previous yeah. cycles. But right. it's, so it's pretty interesting to see. So leading the charge this week over the last seven days is Conflux, followed by Stacks. So Conflux was up 480% in the last seven days. That's followed by Stacks, Filecoin, Neo, Clayton, VeChain. And I think the narrative that's forming here is a lot of these are Chinese-based coins. Right. And you probably already know this, Tommy, but the Chinese economy is starting to improve and, and we're seeing that quantitative easing. So I think that's definitely playing a role here. And I think the other thing that's playing a role in this is Hong Kong is going to legalize crypto on June 1st. Yeah, decision for the ages. Hey, mate. Uh, we joked last week, I think, about China banning crypto was kind of the big headline or catalyst that we used to see four or five times a year pretty much (laughs) over the last five years in crypto we've replaced that now with the SEC doing something negative against crypto or charging a company or bringing someone to court essentially China banning Bitcoin now seems to be kind of pushed to the side and with regulations in Hong Kong or the acceptance of crypto in Hong Kong I mean it's I think it's a huge step it's one that you can't really 
understate when look at the sheer volume of of people mm, exactly <laughs> you know, that they have in these regions so yeah i think it's a i think it's super positive it's going to be interesting what these regulations look like how they're formed and and what kind of players can actually conform to the regulation that are set as well so yeah, yeah it is interesting to see yeah it doesn't take much right for this these short term trends to emerge but yeah the like you said chinese based projects are getting a good a good rise out of this in the last week at least yeah. yeah and just on that i think there's a bit of a narrative forming with asia and particularly the east could be you know driving the next bull market i know cameron winklevoss released a tweet saying he doesn't think the west is the leader in crypto anymore and he thinks the East will be kind of driving that bullish sentiment in the future because, like you said, the SEC has been cracking down on everything and so maybe America will be left behind. Mm. Who knows? Are we in the East? We are not in the East. Australia is in the West. Can we not just say we're in the East because we're close enough? Let's just say we're in the East. Australia <laughs> pretty, is, is pretty, you know, crypto positive. So yeah, let's say we're in the East. Well, it's interesting to see these kind of institutions, business thought leaders like the likes of Winklevoss Twins, they mm. obviously have incentive as well like running their own exchange in Gemini and everything else that they've been in the the news headlines themselves recently but it's yeah interesting call out I wouldn't argue with it to be honest yeah be interesting to see if it plays out yep we'll keep an eye on that for sure and yeah just another one so Stacks I just mentioned was a top mover just behind Conflux on the seven day chart I want to talk about Stacks because to break it down it basically enables a layer for DeFi and NFTs and much more on Bitcoin. So Bitcoin right. you usually think it was it was built as a you know a currency. Currency payment so yeah. Yep. Yeah, but I guess the Bitcoin developers have now released this Taproot upgrade which was you know a little while ago, but we're now kind of seeing the influence of that. Yep. And so what Stacks does is it enables ordinals on the Bitcoin chain. So basically, like ordinals are similar to NFTs. Yep. And so we've seen the amount of ordinals pass through the Bitcoin chain pass 150,000. So I guess it's uh, it's a bullish sign for stacks. And I guess that's why it's been doing so well over the past week. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, you know, the Bitcoin maxis would probably not be on board with essentially creating like smart contracts on, on yeah. Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Like Bitcoin's had its own issues in terms of, you know, transaction speeds and costs and things like that, similar to. Mm-hmm. To eat, but I suppose, yeah, I mean, more use cases is, is generally better. We want people using more Bitcoin, using the Bitcoin network. If this is, you know, a path forward for it, I mean, it's definitely something, like you said, it's it's bullish in my eyes as well. Yeah. I guess just <laughs> with the caveat that the maxis just want, yeah. they just want Bitcoin to be Bitcoin and kind of left alone and used for that store of value or, um, you know, transacting across Lightning or, or whatever else. So yeah. interesting to talk to. I know there's a conference on down in Sydney next month or the month after, I believe, that we're going to head down to. It'll be interesting to talk to some of the guys that are kind of deep in Bitcoin and get their opinion on what they think about stacks and what they think about these ordinals being built on top of Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting debate. Like, do you just stick with what Bitcoin was originally meant to do? Or does it have to adapt to compete with the likes of Ethereum yep. and all these other projects that That's are right. yep. building decentralized apps? Yep. Well, Ted, tell us about these digital bonds. I know you had a news item you wanted to touch on here. Yeah, mate. This uh, this story excited me probably a little bit more than, than usual. <laughs> it sounds a bit boring, but digital bonds are, are currently running hot. So there's two big instances that happened over the last sort of couple of weeks. So Siemens, which is like a big German bank, basically issued their first digital bond on the Polygon network, and it was worth about $64 million. And they did this without Polygon even knowing. So they didn't get approval from Polygon or anything like that. And I guess that just reinforces that blockchain and crypto is permissionless, right? Yep. You don't need to to sign all these contracts or anything like that. They just did it and executed sure. it and it worked perfectly. Open source. 
open source, baby. That's it. And then the second one was the Hong Kong government. Like we said, Hong Kong's looking to to expand into the blockchain space and, and they teamed up with the Bank of China and HSBC to use Goldman Sachs tokenization platform in which they issued like a $100 million one-year bond, right. which was done on a private blockchain. And I guess what I take the most out of this is it's a big adoption story. Yep. These companies aren't necessarily investing in crypto, but they are adopting certain aspects of it. For instance, like the Siemens one, they're using the Polygon network to right. do that. So yeah. Adopting the technology versus a specific asset or, or investing directly exactly. into projects. Exactly. And yeah. I think it, I kind of compare it a little bit to CBDCs. And some people are a little bit you know, on the fence about CBDCs, whether they're good or not. But I guess it, it's a positive sign because CBDCs are similar in the fact that they adopt the technology and they might not be investing directly in any of these assets, but they adopt the technology, which is a, a good thing in the long run. Yep. For instance, I think one of the Australian CBDCs used the Ethereum blockchain. So it's just another one of those stories, which is yeah. positive to hear. Yeah, it was NAB, I think, that NAB, NAB yeah. recently launched their stablecoin and there's a host of other kind of stablecoins. Yeah launched within Australia as well. There's a couple of Australian dollar stable coins that have yeah. yet to kind of get that market velocity, but it's it's definitely something that there's a lot of people seems to be fighting for the same space. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and whether or not Australia gets to a point where we do issue a, a CBDC. <laughs> My view is always the same on this. I'm like, I feel like we're already in a digital economy. Nobody holds cash anymore. Like yeah. we're, kind of, we're kind of majority of the way there as it is. Now, yes, the technology could probably improve the experience, but for me, there's not a massive problem to solve. Not necessarily a massive problem to solve mm -hmm. at the moment. There are problems to solve, but it's not like something that's burning on the mind of the everyday user. You know, I need to yeah. need to be able to do something yeah. and blockchain is going to get us there. So my attitude has never really changed in that regard. And, you know, I talked to a lot of people in that space across, you know, Nevada and the payment spaces within Australia. And yeah, it's definitely, there's definitely a couple of ways to look at it. Yeah. Well, I think on the front end, like the user might not notice anything that's vastly different, but it's all about optimizing and, and innovating. And if you can improve something even slightly, yep. then that's a good thing. Yeah. The overseas payments or you know, cross-border payments yeah. are really the piece that I think crypto or at least blockchain technology can drastically improve. Yeah. But you know, that only that only touches on a you know a small number of a smaller number of people. It's more of a business use case than than retail. So yeah. interesting to watch. Yeah. Now, Tommy, the big one. The big one. This is Come big. On, mate. This Tell us big. what's happening. This is big. So Blur. We mentioned it in the intro. Blur, not the band, not the, band. Not the UK rock band, but Damn. the NFT marketplace. Okay. Brand new. Seven days since launch, seven days since they airdropped their token to a number of people that were, were using the platform, and mm -hmm. as many of these projects do. It ties back into a bigger story. Pav and I discussed the resurgence of NFTs and kind of the interest, the open interest in NFTs and also like OpenSea numbers, you know, OpenSea obviously being the, the biggest marketplace. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows about OpenSea has probably purchased something from OpenSea at one point. Yep. You know, have you ever bought an NFT off there, Ted? I haven't. No, I yeah, haven't. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm into the pretty funny one of, um, yeah, I'll talk about that again, but <laughs> <laughs> we did one with the Brisbane Lions coach just as a kind of a test case, which is pretty cool actually. Yeah. At the time we did it. But yeah, essentially Blur is a new NFT marketplace and the met the volumes, the trading volumes and sales of NFTs have absolutely been gone through the roof on this new platform. Yeah. Blur itself has generated 460 million worth of Ethereum NFT trades over the past seven days. Mm -hmm. 360 plus percent growth in a seven day period or 
versus the last seven days before that. So I have a question. Why is this happening? Why is it so popular? Why is it overtaking OpenSea? Yeah, well, I mean, in context, to put context on it, OpenSea did about 12% increase, you know, mm-hmm. 12% versus 360% in terms of an increase is crazy. The big one here is, there's a couple of reasons. No marketplace fees, you know, mm-hmm. nobody likes to pay fees. Of course not. And then there's optional kind of royalties that people can bake in for their own projects, which essentially less fees means, you know, more money for traders and everything else, people that are trading on this platform. The other part of this, mm. which is probably the biggest part of the story is the kind of storage and volume on Blur. Like there's a few reasons for it. The Blur project itself airdropped its governance token to NFT traders. So people that had used the platform over a period of time mm-hmm. who earned rewards through the marketplace, essentially they airdropped a bunch of this token worked in the millions for some people directly wow. to yeah directly to NFT traders wallets it launched on a number of big exchanges Coinbase were actually listed it pretty much on launch mm-hmm. now <laughs> the token itself launched at around $5 and kind of quickly crashed yeah. to just under I think it went to about 80 cents in okay. the first couple yeah. of days so yeah. listen at the end of the day people got this as an airdrop some people sold it sold it out straight away exactly so they kind of a lot of value was realized pretty quickly it has since recovered back to about $1.20 and mm-hmm. there is still a lot of volume and use case for the platform itself but it's made it's pretty much the biggest story in in crypto at the moment I would say Yep. You know, this resurgence of NFTs, the whole direction that it seems to be going. I guess another key part to Blur and what they've tried to do is they're actually trying to incentivize NFT traders or NFT holders to trade more. So they're actually building in this process where they are rewarding people mm-hmm. to kind of flip their NFTs a lot more mm-hmm. a lot more frequently. You know, most people will buy an NFT because they like the project. Yeah. They want to hold on to it long term. They're kind of creating value for the NFTs, treating them like DeFi where you can go to liquidity pools and things like that with your NFTs earn the token and then, you know, you've got the token, you can go and it bring gives it back the N- NFT some utility. Yeah, it gives them yeah additional utility mm. outside of the NFT project itself. Do you like, it gives you more incentive to kind of trade on their marketplace. So Interesting. I think it's one to watch. It's a bit of a contender for um, OpenSea. Like we said, it's going to continue to to capture the large Web3 NFT community mm-hmm. I think, over time. And then another point to note at the end, they're also talking about doing a uh, in brackets, season two of their airdrop. So, you know, for people that kind of missed out on the initial pump, the Mm. initial airdrop where, you know, they got this free token airdrop to their wallets, they're talking about doing a season two on it as well. So essentially what the perception is, people can, you know, go back, they can trade their NFTs on Blur, they can kind of interact with the protocol and then they're going to do another airdrop down the line. Now, we don't know if that's confirmed or anything yet, but that's the kind of what what everyone's talking about. um, I think that'll just incentivize people to kind of use the platform a lot more as well. Yeah, well, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to incentivize people to come back and trade their NFTs and, like I said, use these liquidity pools. Just adding utility to what people kind of thought with NFTs, like you kind of buy and hold and then you interact with your community. So, yep. you know, I think Yuga Labs with Bored Apes and ApeCoin, you know, they did their big airdrop mid last year, which was, you know, worth a lot of money to mm. held the uh, blue chip NFTs. Mm. So I guess... That was a kind of additional use case. I think this is kind of building on that again, but from the marketplace directly. So I think it's a massive story. It's one we're going to cover and it could be a, you know, a big part of the, like we said, the resurgence of, of NFTs. They've also got an incentive that I couldn't find the exact detail, but they've got an incentive for people to go in and sweep the floors <laughs> on some of the big NFT projects. So sweeping floors and NFTs is essentially 
trying to buy the biggest project at the cheapest price, so yeah. sweeping the floor yeah. price yeah. of NFTs. So, gotcha. so that's something as well that they're building a mechanism in to incentivize people to yeah. go back in and I guess it props up these projects or gets them yeah. back into life and gets more, yeah. more interest back in projects that might not have that trend at the moment. So... Mate, that's exciting. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Listen, I'm not, you know, an NFT native. I wouldn't call myself an NFT native. I'm definitely starting to learn more and, and interact more with, with NFTs and especially the community. The communities are excellent in mm. Australia. We're really lucky with the brands and everything else that we have and mm. the amount of activity in the space in Australia. But yeah, I definitely implore people to, yeah, check it out and see how you go. Yeah, I want to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about it more in the in the kind of coming Yeah, coming absolutely. Weeks. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Well, mate, let's move on to some off-the-cuffers. Yeah, what's off-the-cuff? My, my favorite segment. I've got a quick one for you. So the new YouTube CEO is actually bullish on Web3 tech like NFTs and Metaverse. Oh, NFTs again. There you go. So there you go. Like YouTube, it's owned by Google. So Google hasn't f- like fully adopted crypto as of yet, unlike you know, like we've seen like Meta and yep. Twitter and stuff like that do it a little bit more. Yep. But I guess this new CEO, who's keen on it, is a positive sign. And I guess we'll wait and see to see if they do anything in that space. Yeah, I seen the quote from him. He was like, it's going to enable creators to build deeper relationships with their fans, essentially. Like, yeah. Which is essentially what NFT communities are all built around, right? So yeah. good to get, I guess, that endorsement. Again, it's it's exactly. early days, but YouTube, I don't know what the user count is on YouTube, but it's absolutely massive. Insane. Reddit did something similar with their NFTs Reddit, as well. Yep. So like, it, I think there's definitely a, a trend emerging if it hasn't already yeah. around these big platforms. There's an element that they, you know, you either adapt or you get left behind. That's right. So yeah. I think they got to look at it from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Matt, Doquan. Terra Luna. Can anyone remember Terra Luna? Or are we just going to put that behind us? Can you remind me? <laughs> no, I'm no, not going. Okay. I'm actually Let's not, going. not go there. I'm not going to remind you. Long story short, Do Kwan was the uh, the founder and kind of CEO and driver of Terra Luna. Obviously, a massive failure with their stablecoin back in 2022. We've just seen the SEC come out and, and actually charge him. So a lot of people will be kind of having a beer celebrating that one. But you know, a lot of people lost money. Yeah. That project and, and across the stablecoin. I mean, there was 40 billion in losses or something yeah, like that. Something and it all happened in, a, in the space of two weeks. So there's a few things that happened. They're saying that he was misleading investors about the algorithmic stablecoin and how it was kind of governed and controlled and mm-hmm. everything else, which we kind of seen that unravel pretty quickly. And then also he was found to have transferred 10,000 Bitcoin to uh, an old coal wallet that was slowly moving funds essentially away from the project to his own personal stash that it was apparently in a Swiss bank. Yeah, so he, so he transferred it from the, the cold wallet to the Swiss bank. Yep. And then I think there was a stat that I saw there was over the last sort of eight months or so, there's been 100 million withdrawn from that bank. So right, right. So I think, yeah, something, something's something going, fishy on there, going on there, something fishy. And yeah. so the SEC has kind of stepped in and said, yep. Look, mate, you're dodgy. Sure. We've got to do something here. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's, I mean, yeah, the story that never finishes, but I think it's, you know, yeah. there's still a lot of, lot to be played out here. See, I wish, be, I wish the SEC would do more stuff like that. Yeah, that, you know? exactly. Yeah, I mean, when you look at, when you look at them coming out to protect crypto investors by, you know, blocking features like staking and things like mm. that, that's kind of, that really upsets a lot of the community. But then exactly. when you, you know, the likes of this is, is a positive move and this is what we need yeah. to see more of. 100%. And I guess in line with that topic as well, a good story for people in Japan. Mm-hmm. FTX Japan are due to reopen withdrawals on the platform, which is pretty pretty big. Awesome. I guess I don't have much to say about this, but hopefully this is a trend that we see opening up into new markets. There's obviously big holes in the balance sheet from FTX, so it's going to be interesting to see if that kind of has a knock-on effect to some other regions and you know FTX in other regions kind of 
begins to slowly open up draws for people as well. So Yeah, we can know. only hope, right? That's right. Um, and that's shout right. out to all our Japanese listeners out there. Yeah, that's right. All two of you. Don't have the stat on that, but maybe we can come back with that one next <laughs> yeah. week. Yeah. We'll have to. But let's get into the AMA. Cool. Let's do so it. The listeners have been loving the AMA, so we've got a couple questions here. Tommy, has Bitcoin hit the bottom, and are we seeing the beginning of a bull run? Oh, crystal ball. Let me get the crystal, crystal ball. Crystal ball. Yeah. I mean, nobody ever knows. You know, I kind of call it at the start that I do think we are breaking. We are about to break some some trend, mm-hmm. like break to the upside, albeit potentially short term. But I think we are about to break some key levels, which is is really interesting. The biggest thing for me is like, it's not about buying. It's not about knowing if you're on the bottom or not, or it's not about buying Bitcoin in the bottom or not. For me, it's always about the risk to reward ratio. Yeah. How, how far do we think it can go down? versus how far do we think it can go up or do we feel it can go up? Mm. You know, that risk-reward ratio is one that I hold pretty high in terms of the statistics and metrics that I like to measure. Uh-huh. You know, Everyone thinks Bitcoin can still go down to 10K, but it can go up to 70K, whatever. Mm. That was the last all-time high, roughly. So yeah. you know, I talk about the risk-reward ratio on Bitcoin, and I think, personally, it's, a, it's dollar cost average. That hasn't changed. We're not going out dropping big lumps of our, of our capital into the crypto market at the moment, yeah. but we're also, you know, it's all about this risk-to-reward. I think we have passed an extended period of negativity, like mm. Call 2022 for what it was. It was a shit show in the bloody crypto market in the yeah. in the whole industry. It was a shit show, right? Yeah. So we've we've passed that period. We've kind of came out the other side now. We've seen a what you can only call as a V-shaped recovery to start off the year, which mm-hmm. is you know awesome. <laughs> it always gives you a bit of energy. Yeah. So you don't want people to get carried away. But the, the numbers are going to going in the right direction for us at the moment. Mm-hmm. Could we see a reversal again? Absolutely, we can yeah. absolutely see a reversal. So you know it's about you assessing your own trading strategies. What is that risk to reward ratio look like for you? Because it's different for everybody. Mm. And also, you know, the volumes, the sentiment and the overall interest in the market has has returned or is returning kind of steadily week on week, month on month. So yeah. you know, that was a bit of a long-winded answer, but I think that was it was key to go into a few of those kind of No, it was good. And I just want to touch on that. Like me personally, I believe in in Bitcoin long term in particular. I like I believe in blockchain and crypto, but like if I'm picking one coin, I'm putting my my eggs into Bitcoin. And so I believe in it long term. And so I use the dollar cost averaging strategy because it kind of takes that, it takes everything out of it. You you don't need to think about- Takes the emotion out of it. Yeah, it takes the emotion out of it. And you don't need to think about, oh, is this a good time to buy? Like it's just consistent every single week or every single month, however you want to do it. Mm -hmm. And so far it's worked great for me and I'm going to continue to do it. And then- you know, I like to play around with, you know, a small percentage of my portfolio with like small coins and, and yeah. Ethereum, of course, I like to dollar cost average. One of the do. criticisms we often hear for Bitcoin is that, you know, you can't really do anything with it. Yeah. Like, you know, we've got ordinals coming through now, like the use cases for Bitcoin potentially are starting to increase. Yeah. You know, the problem with not having many use cases for asset like Bitcoin or the positive side of it is you don't send it out to liquidity farms and get wrecked right mm, so like there's yeah. there's two ways to look at it you don't lend it out to other platforms and then the platform goes bust to likes of you know celsius one of these guys so there's there's pros and cons for use cases as well as everything else yeah it's pretty cool but ted i guess to, up until this point we've really only seen like bulk institutional investment in bitcoin do you think that'll continue or do you think these institutions will start to diversify into altcoins mm. like ethereum and, and other things yeah like i think that? yeah i think you've got bitcoin in its own bracket. Yeah. Then you've got Ethereum in its own bracket. And I think you've got almost got everything else mm-hmm. at the moment. But I mean, you only have to look across 
Bloomberg reports, KPMG do kind of global investor reports, like high net worth investors, institutional investors. They are looking at other assets and we touched on L2s and kind of yep. the building blocks of crypto is what they're looking at as opposed to a specific coin or token like that's going to pump. Like they're not looking for that. They're looking to invest in the infrastructure versus anything else. So Long term. That's right. Well, Matt, this kind of brings me to uh, another question. Is SHIB the real deal? Is SHIB the real deal? SHIB Inu. That is the million dollar question. Cute dogs. Cute dogs. Very cute dogs. I can't deny that. Uh, Look, I appreciate the question. I guess I'll, I'll kind of put it like this. SHIB Inu is a meme coin. We all know that. And it, it has a, like a really big positive community that absolutely love the coin. And I think it will have success in the future. I'm, I'm not guaranteeing that. But I think just on the back of like the hype on it and, and its you know community. community, I think it will do well. But I, I think it will do well on the back of that hype and not because it's the blockchain itself is being adopted. Yes, they've built their own ecosystem and all that. Mm-hmm. But I think it will be on the back of, you know, social sentiment and, and people just jumping on board. Similar to Doge, you reckon? Like, Similar to Doge. Doge so, kind of, like Doge kind of got its initial following from a meme coin, but it started to develop certain use cases. It got some high profile exactly. <laughs> supporters, yeah. like of Elon Musk, etc. So I think you see kind of a similar trajectory for, for SHIB potentially. Yeah, yeah. And and like I said, it has the ecosystem. So it has those use cases. But I think the fact that it's performed so well isn't on the back of its ecosystem. Sure, it's on the sure. back of the likes of Elon Musk and the success of Doge and, yeah. and just people jumping on board. Yeah, it's always a tough one with the meme coins. People, people want them. People want to trade them. There's obviously a lot of opportunity because they can be quite volatile. So yeah, but I think people are investing or trading with the likes of a SHIB or a Doge or Flocky, for instance, we listed last week mm-hmm. in a completely different way than they're investing in Bitcoin, Bitcoin yeah. and or Ethereum or some of the kind of infrastructure projects like, you know, we talked about Solana, Avalanche and these, these yeah. Matic and these guys. So I think it's a completely different use case. But yeah, it's a tough one. I'm definitely still on the fence about yeah. coins and, and how they're used. Look, I think they have their place yeah. in the market. Yeah. Me personally, not a long-term investor in SHIB. So take that Thanks, as you man. will. Thanks for letting us know. No, no problem. No problem. Hopefully Maybe the SHIB community doesn't come down and, and bite you. We might need to cut this. <laughs> Look, mate, I think we wrap it up there. Appreciate you for coming on board. Yeah, we took it. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks. I got off the fence for this one. So definitely some bullish sentiment coming yeah. my direction. It's about time. I could be wrong. Like I said, if I'm wrong, I'll delete this tweet later, that kind of a scenario. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, we got to keep showing up and keep giving the people what they need. Exactly. And I'm yeah. going to hold you to that. Yeah. I'm going to make sure you don't forget it. So if it goes well, if it goes wrong, yeah. I'm going to let you know. Matt, you know me. I'm always always happy to wear it. Absolutely. The good or the bad. And that's why we love you. Just before we go, I just wanted to shout out something. So at SwiftX, we've just partnered with Collective Shift, They're an independent crypto research platform yeah. based here in Australia. So... It's an awesome partnership. The idea is that we get to deliver kind of more in-depth research, insights and analysis to our audience, to our customers. And in return, like SwiftX users can go and book in a free strategy call in with their team and refine their trading strategy. So yeah, I would would implore anyone that's listening, go and sign up for Collective Shift. It's free initially to get in. There are some paid services if you want them, but it's a great resource. And it's one, again, just to add to your repertoire of trading tools or or anything else. And, you know, some of the detail that the guys go into at the Collective Shift site is is epic. And it's really digestible. It's not something that you need to be an experienced or advanced trader or need to know how to read charts or indicators and things like that. So, Yeah. yeah, I think it's a great resource and, you know, super, super happy that we were able to do partnership with those guys. Yeah. If you're keen to check out the content, you can go to SwiftX Learn and you can hit the little analysis button in the menu there and we'll be posting one 
Collective Shift research guide per week. Nice. Um, or go to collectiveshift.io forward slash SwiftX where you can book in a call with a member of their team. Yeah. That'll be a free call and it'll be 15 minutes and kind of just chat That's about- That's epic. I, yeah. I didn't actually know that they were offering that until like pretty late in the deal. But, yeah, it's um, awesome. It's epic. I mean, that's just, yeah. Why would you not take 15 minutes to go and have a chat with these guys as, as industry experts? Excellent. Well, guys, yeah, don't forget to uh, follow us on socials and keep putting your questions and we'll keep answering them. And Twitter. And Twitter. Twitter yeah. spaces. Follow us on Twitter spaces are coming. We're going to do them a little bit more consistently because the people love them. So um, Instagram live we did this week. Yep. It's a lot going on. A lot uh, going on. So we're trying to keep you guys covered on all things happening in the market. But yeah, let us know if you have any questions. Excellent. And, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Good, man. See you guys next week. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon. 